Hi, and welcome to the Soul Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. During your time here, you will step into your soul through enlightened conversations, meditations, and stories about healing. I started my own journey on this path long ago by earning a master's degree in counseling, becoming certified in regression and Reiki, and doing countless hours of work to raise my own vibration. It is my hope that you will see yourself reflected in me and in my guests and find self-awareness or a healing method that will propel you further on your own path. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves. We are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Join me every Tuesday to feel more in touch with the beautiful soul that you are. Let's just start with where where are you from? Where did you grow up? Tell us about your child, a little bit about your childhood. Okay. So I was born on a dark and stormy night. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, lived there until I was three. And then my parents were kind of sick of the heat there and uh, they chose to go up to Seattle, Washington. So we moved to Seattle, Washington lived there until I was 10. And that was when I really got into like exploring nature and playing outside. It was too hot in Arizona to really do that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, Seattle like really opened up nature for me. I mean, it's so green and so gorgeous there. And yes, it did rain a lot, but I played outside. We had about an acre of land. And so I had a lot to explore and to play with. And then when I was nine years old, my parents decided to separate. And at that point in time, Um, My dad went back to Arizona where his parents were living. They were still, they were in Phoenix as well. And my mom decided to go back to Pennsylvania where she is originally from. My mom grew up in Pennsylvania. So I went with my mom. My mom had the majority custody. My dad didn't, he didn't ask for, he didn't want it at all. I mean, not full-time custody. He asked for six weeks in the summer. So for, you know, several years, Well, at first, I mean, I should back up. I had to do a cross-country move, which was really challenging for me as a nine-year-old. I mean, that's kind of the point where you're really starting to solidify like friends and stuff and get into social groups. And so a cross-country move was really, really stressful. Um, My mom remarried right away to um, a man that she had known for a long time. He was a family friend. And, you know, he was great. He didn't try to step in and be my dad. Like he knew his place. He was a little older. He had already raised two sons. So he kind of knew how things went and he didn't try to step in. So I was really appreciative of that, but it was still hard having somebody replace my dad. So then, Especially somebody, I guess, that you didn't know. Your mom knew him. Correct. That you didn't really know this exactly. man. Exactly. Yep. That was difficult. It was like, I felt like I had to play catch up to someone my mom already knew. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. That puts a lot of pressure on a young child at that age, I could see. It does. Yeah, it did. It did. And then um, we started spending, my brother and I, we would spend six weeks in the summer in Phoenix with my dad. And, you know, back then... (laughs) Like they just threw kids on an airplane. You know, there were no like security measures. My mom would walk us right up to the airplane. We would get on, we would fly to Phoenix by ourselves for six weeks. And, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and a drug addict and he lived in the slums and I had some pretty scary experiences as a child. He actually sold drugs. And so there would be people knocking on my window at night, trying to get my dad. Um, There would be syringes around the house and 
you know, razor blades around the house and things that I just, I didn't realize what they were at the time. I knew they were bad, but you know, you're so young and impressionable. I think I was 10 or 11 by this point. As time went on over the summers, did you start to realize what, did you start to link the two things together? I did. So we went for a couple years. I think we went three years in a row and they were all very scary, very tumultuous. My dad got into fights with my grandparents. He would be drunk and not wake up until 12 o'clock in the afternoon. We wouldn't have any food in the house. And so after several years of that, I spoke up and I, I said, I'll talk to the court. I don't know what I have to do, but I don't want to go. <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah, I did. I, I spoke up and my younger brother, I felt like I had to protect him and take care of him. He, he really didn't know what was going on. He's three years younger. So he was only maybe he's like six or seven at the time we went out. So, um, yeah, I had to speak up and say, I'm not, I'm not willing to go anymore. So the next time I went to visit him, I was 16 and I came out only because he, he had remarried and had a child. So I had a little sister who was 17 years younger than myself. And it kind of ignited this, like, well, maybe I'll like make up with my dad and, you know, try to reconcile with him. And so I went out and that was when I realized what was going on. I mean, when I saw wads of hundred dollar bills rolled up like this, and then I knew what the razor blades were for. I knew, I just, I knew what was happening. Um, and that's when I really kind of started putting my guard up, you know, and there were a couple of tumultuous years there where he would try to stay in communication with me. And finally, I just had to stop answering his phone calls, stop answering everything. It was just, it was too much. It was not safe. There was a lot of mental manipulation that he would do and so this was your what I'm, I'm getting that this was your first one of the first times major times that you actually had to stand up as a as a woman as a strong woman and put your foot down and say look you know this is not right I'm I'm not doing this anymore and and you're nodding <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, that this is the first time that you really had to stand up for yourself and for what you believed in. So yeah. kudos. Excellent. Thank you. And you know what? I wish I could say that it was easy. And I wish I could say that after that, I was really great about it, but I really wasn't. Who is? You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. That was really the first time, like you said, that really was the first time. And I think it set me up to continue to do that in the future, but it mm-hmm. took me a long time to like really really get comfortable speaking up for myself and And look at what you're doing now it led you right here to what you're doing now that's right (laughs) absolutely it did absolutely it did so yeah so you know that was kind of my story growing up and you know my mom has always been very supportive of you know some of my spiritual stuff I started getting into card decks when I was 16 and honestly that helped me a lot with the things that I had faced earlier in my childhood and the things that I was dealing with with my dad and it kind of helped me to have a higher perspective of things truthfully cards were very therapeutic for me that really was the very first spiritual modality I ever got into and just pulling a card would kind of validate me or, or let me know I wasn't alone, that there was a higher power, that there was a higher purpose, that someday I would see the meaning behind the suffering and the pain that I had experienced. And so that was really my first like dip into the spiritual world. Was the cards at 16. Yeah. Now, was that after you stood up for, you know, stood up? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was after and it was it, so it was in the weird time period in between when I had stood up and said I'm not going out here anymore 
And when I decided to kind of go back and go meet my baby sister at 17. So it was kind of in this in-between sort of a phase, which was a perfect time for me because I had to stand up for myself all over again after going out there and seeing the mess that there was and a baby was in it this time. And I really had to decide what kind of relationship I wanted to have with my dad. So I didn't mean to make this all about my dad, but that's, that's the trauma from my childhood. So, <laughs> and, you, and you know, it's the traumas that lead us to where we are, you know, where we're supposed to be. It's, it's those little seeds that are planted along and along in our life that we don't even realize what's going on. But then we look back, we go, oh my gosh. And it, it's all, it's there, you know, and it, yeah. it, it's like a, a flower that's bloomed and we look back and we go, oh, so that's why we, we say hindsight is twenty twenty. you know what I mean? So. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, and I think also too, it's a lesson in not judging people by the outside. I have had so many people when I start, of course, I gave you guys like the surface level stories of my dad and stuff, but there's, there's like real trauma underneath there that I could get into. And when I've told some people, some of those stories, they're like, Oh, looking at you, I would never have thought that you grew up like that. And I'm like, well, what does someone look like who grew up like that? Everybody, everybody, everybody has something. Every And I guess what sets us apart are the people who take those traumas and actually work them in a positive way, you know, versus the people who take those traumas and they just sit with them and they don't digest them. They let those traumas rule their lives and ruin their lives. I've been on a weight loss and I hate to make this about me, but I've been on a weight loss journey for like the past year. And part of the reason the weight has dropped off is because I've addressed the traumas from my childhood and I, I'm a really I'm a firm believer that a lot of the you know a lot of the weight that the world is holding is because of the traumas that we're not digesting and the easiest way to cover those traumas up is to eat you know and food is very accessible you walk into the gas station grab a bag of chips you know <laughs> and you eat your feelings in the car you know and nobody ever thinks about that you know but after I actually, because I didn't think, oh, I'm fine, you know, oh, my childhood was perfect. And then when I started digging, I was like, hold up now, childhood ain't so perfect no more now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, we've all got something and it's not that your trauma is worse than anybody else's trauma. It's just different, you know, and you've just chosen to take your trauma and push the world forward with your card, your, your gift of Oracle reading and Reiki, and you're just really diving in. I'm so excited. I'm so honored to be your friend. So thank you. I feel the same way about you. And, you know, I can totally relate to your weight loss journey too, because for a long time, I didn't realize the connection. I've always struggled with my weight as well. And I didn't realize the connection of that to my traumas. You know, you think, well, society tells me I should be a certain way. It's all society's fault, but you know, I think I really ate for a long time to fill the void of not having a father figure in my life, you know, and I think we can fill any types of void. We all, like you said, we all have traumas. They are all valid. Every single person on this planet has a trauma. And sometimes we think, oh, well, child abuse is trauma. Like we think the really horrible things, mm-hmm. sexual abuse, whatever it is, but it can simply just be like a very critical parent. Or a parent who doesn't accept mm-hmm. you as you are, or mm-hmm. you know, you might feel like you had the best childhood ever, but there are there's always things, and this isn't to blame 
our parents because our parents are imperfect people. It's okay. But those are the things that I think as a spiritual, from a spiritual perspective, we chose our parents. We chose the things that are their downfalls in order to help us learn. And so the key here is taking what has been challenging for you. And like you were talking about turning it into healing. And I don't think you can get there if you don't acknowledge that you have some pain and some trauma. (laughs) I have to agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's all part of the letting go. You have to let, let something go in order to let other things in. And that's part of the letting go is not having so much pride and ego to say, well, you know, my childhood was perfect. You know, I, I, I had this conversation with my brother and we grew up in the same house and right and I'm, I'm journaling all summer, right? Like talking about my trauma and I'm the oldest. I was, you know, not really a straight A student, but I've made good grades. I was very sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> I would say well-behaved, but I was well-behaved to them. But I was very sneaky. And my brother was overtly, you know, just overtly, he, he got spankings all the time and you know and so one night we were up late and we were talking and he was like you think your childhood was so traumatic and I was like yeah so I know I had a traumatic childhood you did too you know and after we talked he acknowledged he was like whoa I, I think you might be right like all those beatings I got I didn't necessarily now we you know our parents did the best they could our parents did what they knew to do you know and our parents were good parents but they weren't perfect parents, you know, and those imperfections are what help make us who we are. And so getting him to at first acknowledge, you know, look, our parents weren't perfect, you know, and the way that our parents treated us is not necessarily the way that you need to treat your children because they will grow up with these same traumas, if not worse, you know? So um, that was one of the reasons we were talking about because his kids were at the house and I was like, why are you so hard on them? And he was like, well, we grew up just fine. I was like, did we though? <laughs> you know, think about that. Did we though? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes, I totally agree. And like repeating those cycles and those patterns, that's really kind of what I think our generation is here to end. I think there's a new way of living that is coming to be. And I think you and I and our generation, our brothers and sisters, people who are our age, I really think we are here to stop those cycles in order for our children to have a totally different experience because the vibration of the whole planet is rising and it's just essential that we stop the old ways of being and we have to we have to come into some new stuff. And, you know, I think eventually on your path with, you know, when you start looking into your childhood and stuff, I think the goal is to get to a place where you can actually find gratitude for the challenging things that your parents put you through. And you can actually thank them and realize that without those things, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be where you are. You wouldn't be able to break the cycles. You wouldn't have the awareness. So we have to thank them. There has to be gratitude eventually at some point on the path, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Dana. Oh my God. Thank you. (laughs) Let's see. Another question. Uh, What else do I want to know? So do you have a story of how you found your first deck? Do you remember? My first deck. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. I don't, do you know who Louise Hay is? Have you heard of her? I do. I have heard of her. Hay House. Yeah. So Louise Hay really was huge in the self-help uh, industry in like the, I don't know when she started, maybe seventies, definitely eighties and nineties. 
um, she's passed away now, but my aunt worked for her. Oh. And um, yeah. So my aunt lived out in California and worked for her and she would send us stuff, you know, from the things that they were publishing. And I know Louise Hay came out with a deck of just affirmations, you know, you would just pull an affirmation for the day. And I know my aunt sent those to me, but they didn't resonate with me so much at the time. I was like, I'm 17 or 16 or whatever. I don't have time for an affirmation, but it opened me up to kind of that world of cards and things that existed out there in the spiritual realm. So I remember going to the bookstore that was near our house and going to the spirituality section, which at the time was like, you know, three inches (laughs) wide, like teeny tiny. Not a big thing back then, especially in Pennsylvania where I lived, you know, and there were a couple handful of decks and I felt really drawn to one by Doreen Virtue called Healing with the Angels. At the time we were going to church, my family, you know, we weren't super, super into it, but we were Christian. And so I liked the idea of angels. And I think angels really help bridge the connection from religion to spirituality because they really exist in both. And so that felt like a comfort zone to me, you know, like healing with angels. Yes, I can. That sounds great. Who wouldn't want that? Um, so I still have that deck to this day. I have uh, it. <laughs> yeah. How often do you pull from it? From that one? Oh yeah. my gosh. I just recently pulled it back out and was like, you know, I'm feeling a little nostalgic. I'm going to, I'm going to pull it out and look at it. But to be honest, I really don't use it very much for a couple of reasons. One, I feel like, I feel like I've evolved to a different place and different cards resonate with me better now. And also because Doreen Virtue has gone completely, I don't know if you know who she is or so she was huge in the spiritual world. She has written a ton of books, a ton of card decks, and she had a vision where she saw Jesus and Jesus called her to Christianity. So she has now denounced everything that she's written in the spiritual world and is is extremely religious and you know that's fine Uh, like I you do whatever you need to do but she's also very judgmental towards the people who still use her card decks who still read her books and it's the judgment that really kind of sticks with me it's like you know follow your own path but I don't know don't take down people who are on a different path than you so just that around her name kind of keeps me away from her decks so much. If I'm just being really honest with you. I can understand that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now do you pull a card every day? Sometimes I do, especially when I'm going through a really hard time, because what it does is it reminds me of my connection to source and it reminds me to not be so in the physical plane, so wrapped up in the things that are hard for me. When I'm doing really well, sometimes I like to pull them too for that validation. I can't say that I have a schedule or like a routine with them, but I do find that I am pulling cards more days than not. Now, do you pull cards for your kids? Do your kids say, mommy, pull me a card, your husband, mom, honey, pull a card for me to make sure I'm doing this thing right at work or, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My husband, not so much. He, I mean... If I bring it up to him, he'll, like he won't turn it down, but he doesn't seek it out. But my children, um, I have two card decks that are for children that they both love. One is again, written by Doreen Virtue. And I can't, I think it's called Cherub Angels. It's like little baby angels, you know, and mm-hmm. the cards are really little. They're like only a couple inches big and wide, <laughs> but they're really cute. We love those. And then Spirit Animals by Stephen Farmer for children. And those are really pretty because they have animals on them and then they connect to like 
you know, the qualities of the animal to help you give you just a reminder. Like for example, the, the black bear card reminds you to be strong and to stand up for yourself and to have strength and power. So we tend to lean towards those a lot. And for my four-year-old, it's over her head. She just loves the imagery on the cards and, oh, I got the deer or whatever. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll, I'll be honest with you and say, I don't know how many people listening, but I had no idea that they made decks for children. Children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now where do you get your decks? Is this something that you would go on Amazon and look for or, you know, where Etsy, you know, where, where do you go to find your decks or where would you suggest someone go to find their decks? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, in a non-COVID world, I would 100% recommend that you go to either a bookstore or a spiritual like new age shop. Right. I think seeing them in person will really draw you in. You can feel the energy of whether it's calling you or not. But honestly, I love ordering online. Just the two that you said, I love Amazon. I love Etsy. I really don't see the children's deck. I can't say that I've ever seen the children's decks in a physical store. It was something that I just was like, hey, I wonder if there's kids decks and Googled it on Amazon one day, Mm. found a couple decks and ordered them. So you can always search for like what you're maybe interested in. And, you know, there's also Oracle and tarot decks. So there's two kind of different worlds. Now, what is the difference? Okay. Cause see, I'm a newbie, right? (laughs) What is the difference in between an Oracle deck and a tarot deck? Okay. So all... Okay. All is this tarot. one of those all all toothpicks are wood, but not all wood is toothpicks type thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All tarot decks are also oracle decks. Okay. But not all oracle decks are tarot decks. So tarot has a very specific amount of cards and type of cards. So there are two sections of tarot. There's the major arcana and the minor arcana. The minor arcana are basically like a set of playing cards. There's four suits and there is an ace all the way up to a king. So just like in normal playing cards, tarot originated from playing cards. Okay. And then in addition, there's also the major arcana, which is, I can't remember how many, I think there's 25. There's 25 cards that represent what we call the fool's journey. And it's, it's representative of humans being born on earth and traveling through our healing spiritual cycle and eventually going back to earth and then, or going back to heaven and starting all over again. So each card represents a different stage in the cycle, something like that. Stage in the cycle. Yep. Uh, marker on the path, so to speak. So all of those cards, that's a lot of cards. I think that's like 76 or 78 or something that a tarot deck has to have all of those suits and all of those, you know, the world, the story of the fool's journey. An Oracle deck can be anything at all. It can have some elements of those tarot cards. It can have like a journey in it, but it doesn't have to. So Oracle decks, there's really kind of no rules. There can be as many or as little cards as they want in the deck and they can have any sort of theme or whatever. So hopefully that makes sense. The difference between them. Yeah. Yes. So now what are, do you buy, you buy Oracle decks or both? I'm actually, so I've loved Oracle's Oracle decks for most of my life. And I just started taking a tarot class and it's been the most bizarre thing because it's like, I'm remembering them instead of learning them. Like it's almost instant. I just like know the tarot. 
but they intimidated me for a lot of years because like I just told you, there were like suits and Kings and Queens and the, this and all the major and minor, like it was so much. I was like, I'm not going there. I'd rather just play with my Oracle cards that are whatever, you know? Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm learning them and it's just clicking for me. So I'm starting to get into tarot a little bit more too. Oh, cool. That'll be interesting. Okay. So as a child, did you play with like regular card decks? Was like, was card something that was always on your path or was that always like a, I guess, was that always kind of like a seed? Was that something that was planted as a child where you grew up playing a lot of cards and you were you just mm-hmm. drawn to cards or not necessarily? You know, both of my grandparents, both sides of my family, my grandparents, they both taught me cards. I have like vivid memories of playing card games with them. So I would definitely say like it's a big theme in in my childhood, but more than anything, cards are symbolic. So the pictures that are on these cards are symbolic of other things. And I think I've always, as a child, was attracted to things that were symbolic. Like The Wizard of Oz was my very favorite movie. And I think I knew on some level that it was symbolic of something else, that it wasn't just a movie. You know, I've always, I've always like dug for the depths of things and, and trying to look beyond just the surface level. So I would say that theme probably has been around longer than, than just like playing cards. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Theme. Thank you. That's the, that's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Wow. You're you're so, you're so story filled. Oh, thank you. Why don't I pull a couple cards? You want to? Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do it. it. Like, let's see what comes up. So these are the wisdom of the Oracle. These are currently my, probably my favorite deck. I feel like it's the one that I, oh, this one's coming out. This this is it. This is the one that I use the most that I know the best. So the first card that came out is to be fair. And this card is a lot about balance and justice. So the woman has scales kind of over her shoulders And this is about finding balance in our lives, honoring all parts of ourselves. It's also, this is interesting because we were talking about this earlier. It's also about, you know, fairness and justice and speaking up for people who need to be spoken up for or speaking up for yourself. It has that humanitarian quality to it in this card deck or in this card to speak up and to be the voice of what is fair and what is just and what is right. So I love this card. Let's see. To the sea. So this card, there's a woman in a boat and she's kind of in the ocean. There's a face in the sky too. Yes. So there are faces, this deck, there are faces throughout and it's supposed to represent our divine influence. So on this one, I don't know if you can see the face that's in the folds of her dresses, you know, the zoom, zoom video quality. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So every single deck or every single card in this deck has a face somewhere. Okay. So you are never alone. There's now, do, do the cards come with a um, like an instruction booklet or to explain each card? They do, yes. I've just, I've used these so much that I know them and, and understand them. But really, like, that's the other thing. Anyone can read cards because you can look at the picture on here and you know what it means to you and you can read into that. So you know, this girl is in a boat and she's by herself and she's on a, she's on a journey. This card is to the sea. So this is about starting a new adventure, you know, facing the unknowns, maybe being scared or nervous about what is to come. And, you know, especially following this last to be fair card, it can be like some nerves about what you know, you have to do, what you know, you have to speak up for. And and it's the beginning of your journey. And I feel like these cards are actually really speaking to you and like, (laughs) 
the work that you are doing. So I can definitely, uh, I can definitely uh, relate to both of those, both of those <laughs> tremendously. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, it's funny because the other night I was listening to you in the middle of the night, spirit likes to wake me up in the middle of the night to do work. And uh, so I was, and I, one of my assignments was to listen to your podcast. And so I was listening mm-hmm. to the Instagram live mm-hmm. and uh, you pulled a card for somebody. And I just knew it was that other person's card until I was out walking the other day and I was processing. It, it dawned on me that that card was actually for me because out of all the cards you pulled, you know, I was like, you know, oh, yeah, that card sounds like me. Oh, yeah, strong woman, that sounds like me, too. Oh, yeah, justice, that's me. And then, you know, this other card came up, but it was the actually the only card that I could remember, like, you pulled mm-hmm. it just now. You know what I mean? Out of all the cards you pulled, it's the only card that I could actually see embedded in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me know that card was for me. Because, you know, I'm walking down the street and I'm talking about this, you know, problem that I have, you know, I'm thinking about this problem and I'm like, oh my God, that card was for me because here I am stressing over, you know, these things that the spilled milk, I'm, you know, I'm stressing over the spilled milk and here it is, I have this wonderful abundance of things that I'm not looking at. And I was like, in that moment, I knew, I was like, oh my God, what? I feel so enlightened right now. (laughs) So, I mean, so cards really do resonate, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really talking to my, you know, religious friends, you know, who are, who are starting to seek a more spiritual path. You know, this isn't out of line with what we've been taught. This is actually more in line with what we've been taught, you know, to trust and to have faith and to actually be led by God, you know, or spirit or source or the, our ancestors, it's all one and the same. And, um, and I thank you for, you know, for really drawing the two worlds together, you know, you know, that day in the bookstore, when you got there and you saw those angels and you knew that, you know, religiously angels and spiritually angels, you know, that's a nice bridge. And so for you to link those two, and now we're here. So I, I, that's one reason why I wanted to start at the beginning. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Were you always drawn to cards? Now, what else do you do? Tell us Tell us what else you do aside from just cards. Yeah, thank you. Cards are just one part of it, but I do incorporate them into literally every episode of this podcast and also in everything I do on Instagram. And um, yeah, so I do offer those as a reading. I'm also trained in Holy Fire Reiki. I am a master level. So I that means I can train other people in Reiki and I can also give Reiki at a distance rather than only in person. And, you know, Holy Fire Reiki is channeling that pure healing energy of God and of source. So just like you were talking about bridging the religion, Holy Fire Reiki is the methodology that Jesus used to heal people. This is what he did. This is how he rose people from the dead and cured their, their ailments. And I have a very, very deep connection to Jesus. And I, that is what drew me to Holy Fire Reiki. So I offer 30 and 60 minute sessions of that to connect to that God and Jesus source within to heal whatever is ailing you, either physical, mental, spiritual, whatever. And I also do past life regression work. So I am trained in that and I can take you back 
to, I, I always hesitate saying past lives because you, you always end up getting what you need. So maybe you go to a past life. Maybe you actually go to a future life. Maybe you go to the time when you were a soul before you incarnated. So you can understand why you chose certain people to be in your life and kind of understand the bigger picture of it. And sometimes people have had experiences where they just, they meet their guides and they kind of sit around and get information. So whatever happens needs to happen. It's not always a past life, but we, I'm trained in taking you back to that place in your mind that the subconscious that stores all of those memories and all of those experiences and we access them and whatever you need and whatever is in your highest and greatest good will come through to help you. So how many times can somebody have a Reiki session? Let's say. Oh my gosh, as many times as you want. Honestly, I do it on myself every single day. Really? Uh, yeah, that was my original intent in getting trained in Reiki was to do it on myself. Cause I was like, you know what? I don't want to pay somebody all the time too. <laughs> and I feel so good when I do it. And um, yeah, now I'm happy to share it with other people, but that's another reason I want to get to the master level so that I can train other people to do it because it is the most powerful healing modality I've found. I use it to clear my house. I use it to cleanse my decks instead of sage. You know, I'd rather be kind of more eco-friendly and respect sage and allow the indigenous population to get to have it and to not take it away. And I use Holy Fire Reiki to cleanse everything that I have instead. All right. So we're on podcast, right? Yeah. Say holy, holy fire Reiki. And I'm imagining like your palm, this light shooting out of the palm of your hand to cleanse a deck of cards. Now, is that what happens? Like kind of kind of take us through okay. like a, you know what I mean? Like a little snippet of kind of what happens, what, it, what it's like. That makes okay. sense. Yeah, oh, sure. Absolutely. There are symbols that you are taught when you are learning to be a Reiki practitioner. And these symbols are in Japanese. I know I said that Jesus was connected to them, but Jesus traveled the world and learned all kinds of different modalities. You know, those lost years in the Bible where it's like he was 12 and he got lost in at temple. And then all of a sudden he's 33 and that's what he was doing. There's proof. There's actual proof that he has been in other places and was learning other modalities. So I believe that he learned this Reiki. And so there are Japanese symbols and I can't reveal those because you have to go through the training to learn. Oh, of course, of course. Not. We got to pay you for something. Right. <laughs> there has to be some energy exchange. But yeah, so the practitioner will picture those symbols in their mind, draw them with their hand on the item. Like maybe I draw the symbol right here on my deck. When I cleanse my house, I imagine the symbol to be like really giant and like moving along the wall. And as it moves along the wall, it clears the energy as it goes. So it's in the symbols and it is also in your hands. So when you activate the symbols, when you draw them in your mind or you think of them, it activates that God source Reiki energy to come down through your crown chakra and out of your hands. So um, when you're in person with someone, you can touch them and allow that energy to physically go in them. But if you're doing like a distance Reiki session, it works just like a telephone call would, you know, like those electromagnetic energy fields that allow us to call each other on a cell phone. It works the same way. It reaches you no matter where you are. So that's kind of how it works. Is that, did that answer your question? Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Okay. okay. So, so no light beams. No, <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine them. They might you can imagine them. I'm sure it helps too. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Um, okay. So now how many times can somebody get a past life regression? 
I mean, I would say unlimited amount of times because uh-huh. in my opinion, there's unlimited amount of things to access. I mean, I personally believe most people on earth right now have had like thousands of lives, thousands, and have actually lived on other planets. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but that's just my opinion. And so I think there's just endless amount of information to uncover that will level you up and heal you and, and all kinds of things. So you can do as much as you want. <laughs> I would okay. give some space in between so that you can heal and integrate what you, you know, what you learn but there's no end. There's no limit. Who taught you? Who did you go to for guidance whenever you realized that you wanted to, you know, expand your spiritual horizons? Mm. I've had a lot of spiritual teaching or teachers along the way. Rachel Hope was actually my very first one. You know, I was into spiritual stuff my whole life, but I really put myself kind of down below and I thought other people knew better than I did. And I was feeling really, really lost in my life when I was like 28, 29, 30, maybe even it it lasted for a couple of years. And I finally decided to go see a medium and I just Googled Charlotte mediums and Rachel's face popped up and I said, all right, I have to go see that girl. So I had a session with her and the second I walked in, she goes, oh, I know you. And I was like, no, you don't (laughs) like, no, I'm pretty sure we've had a past life together. And I was like, Okay, we're going there. All right. <laughs> that was quick. I ain't paid you yet, ma'am. <laughs> I was like, all right. Okay. And at this point, like, I sort of believed in past life. Like, I still was like questioning, you know, I was questioning a lot of things at that point. And my session with Rachel was basically a big kick in the pants that was like, you are sitting on untapped spiritual abilities. You're doing nothing with them. And it's time to get going. And so after that, that really lit me up. And that was when I really started getting into the Reiki and into past life regression and astrology and all those things. So, you know, Rachel was my first teacher. I took her intuitive listening classes. And I think that they were the perfect thing to start with because I believe our intuition is going to be the basis of all things that we do. So learning to tap into that was only helped me in all the other things that I eventually got trained in and the other teachers that I came to respect and love. So. Okay. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was just really, really fun to have, be on the other side of the mic and have someone ask me stuff. So thank you for giving. Well, you know, when, when we first met, I, I don't know, I was so, I guess we were so drawn to each other. Maybe mm-hmm. that, maybe you and I knew each other from a past life too. Oh, I, sure I haven't did. regressed enough to know, but, um, and this possible is quite possible because I was quite popular in one of my past lives (laughs) so you know we were so drawn to each other the first time we met and I just I had so many questions for you like oh my gosh how did she get started where is she from you know who did she go to you know what drew her to you know I always want to know what people's stories are and in having you tell your story here you know that's for for all for all of your you know this is your platform and so for you to tell your story to the people that you know are going to be listening um that's very vulnerable and we thank you thank mm-hmm. you for for being our leader <laughs> oh, thank you 
you. And thank you. Thank you for holding that space for me because I really haven't shared that stuff about my childhood. And it's been something that I've wanted to do because I think when we do share about the things that have been hard for us, we open up that space for others to be able to share and to be able to heal. And, you know, I haven't been quite brave enough to bring it up on my own. I really needed someone to ask me and to hold that space. So I just honor you for allowing me to feel comfortable enough to share it with you and with the world. So thank you for, for holding that space for me. You're welcome. How about one more card before we go? Okay. One more card before we go. You know what? I kind of want to use my tarot deck. Ooh, beautiful. We have the nine of pentacles. So pentacles represent earth. And so this woman is surrounded by absolute abundance. Like you can see how lush the trees are. There's like grapes and fruit and she's got a bird. Like she's out in nature. It represents pure abundance. And nine can also represent kind of the end of a cycle or feeling like proud of your accomplishments, surrounded by just so much beauty and like what you've brought to the world and really taking a moment and allowing yourself to see it and to witness it. And so, you know, I take that as a beautiful personal message and I hope that you do as well, Amy, and also everyone listening because we all are putting in hard work. (laughs) We are all doing the work you know, that we need to do to heal and to grow. And there's huge abundance in that more than we can even imagine. I, I really think. So yeah, that's the land of milk and honey, religious people. Right. <laughs> and I love you. I love you too. Thank you so much, Amy. You're welcome. Anytime. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at thesoulrisingpodcast.com or at the underscore soul rising podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.